Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Quarantine Podcast, the official podcast of the United Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is Dave Walker. You can call me DW, and we are back already in a busy, busy week for the Atlanta Falcons. The NFL season is officially underway. The 2020 season has begun. It started Wednesday the 18th at 4 p.m. That's when contracts could get signed. Uh, that's when uh, a lot of the news really started pouring in, even though we've already heard a lot of rumors and suggestions of things going on. So I am here with a deluge of writers from the falcoholic.com to talk about a lot of the stuff that has transpired since the last podcast came out, because yes, that one podcast was not enough to capture everything. So I'm going to go through the, the guys the, and the, the special guests who's joining us today I'm going to start with her because it's been a while. Uh, she's my pal. She is my uh, co-pilot on the normal Falcoholic podcast. Uh, we've been doing this for three years, and I'm glad to have her back on. It's been a little while. Gina Thomas. Gina, I'm so happy to have you back on the podcast. David, I'm so happy to be back on the podcast, especially with so many of our friends joining us today. This, this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm really Yes. Also joining us is my co-pilot on the post-game podcast, uh, none other than Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Uh, Eric Robinson joins us. Uh, I think you were on just a couple weeks ago. So this is, uh, we're, we're getting a lot of Eric in a short time frame, man. <laughs> I'm happy to be on. Happy to some <laughs> football and not coronavirus yeah oh. yeah we're not talking about the um and also joining us one of our other writers Adnan Ikich. uh hey guys given how this quarantine is going we're gonna get to a point where we're just doing a podcast every single day <laughs> just for the human contact <laughs> <laughs> the next podcast will be our, our favorite drink mixes um, <laughs> last but not least, uh, you see his articles all the time at the site, none other than Corey Woodruff. Corey, it's good to have you on, man. Howdy, howdy. Good to be with everybody. Awesome. All right. We've got quite the crew. We're going to jump straight into it. Uh, I'm going to start with, before we jump into the biggest news, cause I feel like we need to save, let that one breathe a little bit. I know fans want to hear our takes on, uh, the big signing, Uh, I want to start with where some of the Falcons' recent uh, free agents uh, or recent cuts have landed. Uh, We now know that Vic Beasley has joined the Tennessee Titans. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a one-year deal, a little under $10 million. It's like $9.3 million, something like that. Um, A little bit of a prove-it deal, it looks like, even though the the dollars are uh, pretty significant. Um, So he's landed somewhere pretty quickly. Thoughts? Anyone jump in? Your thoughts on Beasley joining the Titans? Good riddance. Oh, man. 
I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> he said thoughts. There you go. <laughs> that was one thought. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Pick Beasley's made a lot of money for someone who's had one good season in his career. Man, I wish I was a pass rusher. <laughs> there are a lot of quarterbacks that have done that too, to be fair. It's ironic. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, he, what, two years now, he'll have made $22 million. Man, that's a lot. Wow. Well, on like prove it years where people just keep giving him money every year. Next year, he'll make $10 million again after getting like five sacks. Because <laughs> pass rushers just make that kind of money on the market. Five sacks in the last three games. He'll do just enough before the end of the season to get a, to get a payday at the end. Is Vic Beasley the Sam Baker of pass rushers? Oh, God. Why would you do that to Sam? <laughs> uh, in, in, in fairness, right. Sam Baker sucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's being nice. Um, as far as, you know, he bounces, in, he bounces back in a place where I think it can help him. Um, you know, his, of course, his head coach is Mike Brable. So yep. um, that will definitely – and might well, I can't really say that because we all thought that having a head coach like Dan Quinn would help him either. But I don't know if this is going to be a situation where he takes advantage of it because he's on a one-year deal at this point in his career, which if you look at it, a player of his age getting a one-year deal, he's not that far from the exit door of the NFL. Right. Normally guys get three, four, five long-term deals. So this is a, this is a one time opportunity. If he drops the ball here, he may not get another chance. Um, not as going to be much, not as going to be expected from him very much in Tennessee, but we'll, we'll see how it does. But I'm just glad he's not in Atlanta. Anymore. And I just want to say one thing, uh, Falcons fans should be rooting for Vic Beasley to be very good next year because that deal can be pushed up to $12 million and correct me if I'm wrong, but that could be the difference between a fifth round pick and a fourth round pick uh, comp yep. for the yep. Falcons. Yep, for so, the comp formula. Yep. Yep. So root for Vic Beasley to hit on those incentives and to make that twelve million dollars. Vic, go get your money, man. I, I was just kidding. Go, go out there and ball out. He already bought the Falcons enough, so that's good enough. Gina, Corey, you guys are a little bit quiet. Got any thoughts on Vic? Um. I. I mean, I definitely think that the one-year deal thing is probably the most important context here. You know, I think that that's. Beasley is prove it situation. He's had one year of really consistent production. Even that wasn't really consistent production because, you know, he had a, a multi-sack game against the Broncos that sort of stacked his numbers in 2016. Um, so he is a very nice guy. He is a person that I will always wish well. Um, and I hope that it does go well for him in Tennessee. But yeah, it it is. Um, I think that, you know, if it doesn't, that is probably going to be the last that we see of Vic Beasley in this league. Yeah. Corey, you're in Tennessee. What do you think? Do you think the yeah, Titans are yeah. a good place it's for him? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I have a lot of friends that are Titans fans, and when they were kind of like poking at me a little bit to see what I thought, I was like, you know, he's, he's, he's fine. You know, he's okay. <laughs> and to add some context, it's a bit mind-numbing to me that they traded Jarrell Casey and kind of a salary dump move today for a seventh-round pick for the Broncos. And he was counting around $11, 12000000 million on the cap, and now Tennessee has Vic Beasley potentially up to $12 million with incentives um, on the cap, which is they're not comparable at all. Um, yeah. If you know anything about Jarrell Casey, he's very good, still is, even in his 30s. And Vic Beasley is 
widely inconsistent. Sometimes he plays pretty well. Sometimes he's basically non-existent. So, uh, you know, I, again, I think I underscore everyone's sentiment that he's a very good person and, you know, you always like to see good people be successful in life. So from a human standpoint, I'm happy for him. I think that with the Titans, he's going to be in a very opportunistic scheme for him. I think the Titans are, they lost in peace. So I'm curious how they're going to translate defensively, but I mean, it's a good situation for him. They don't need him to be the main guy with Harold Landry there, but at the same time, he probably will start for Tennessee unless they draft a pass rusher so, or if they sign somebody else. So I think it's a good opportunity for him to get things back on track. But again, like everyone has said, that I have to do that because his time in Atlanta was always very uneven, as we all know. Yeah, that, <laughs> I feel like that's you're being very generous, but uh, that's what we preach about you. <laughs> all right. Uh, and actually, on that note, Corey dropped into our chat right before – we jumped onto this podcast and he hit us with the news from Jordan Schultz uh, that Desmond Trufant is signing with the Detroit lions. Uh, and apparently the deal is going to be for two years, 21 million total, 14 million guaranteed. Um, some thoughts on Trufant. You know, I, I was, I'll, I'll, you know, what? I'll start here because uh, I was not a big fan of this cut. I understand the need for the dollars to get freed up. I thought they could have kept him on for one more year uh, instead of letting him go this year. They could have cut him more uh, going into 2021. So this, this cut was a little surprising to me. Uh, and now seeing the dollars he's getting, I mean, it, it looks like a, I think the lions are getting a good player for uh, probably a little below market value. I think Trufant is still a top corner, uh, a top 10, you know, starting corner in this league uh, when he's healthy. So let me put that out there. Uh, thoughts on Trufant landing with the Lions? I mean, I, I, think, I think this is going to play in, in what they do at third overall. Um, but when it comes to, you know, Trufant landing with the Lions, you know, I think it's a good signing for them. Um, I get, you know, I get the fans' frustration or the confusion at the very least when it comes to cutting him. Um, but I also understand what the team is probably doing because this, this is a move that it was either was going to happen this offseason or next offseason. And I thought he would have got one more year, but he didn't. But this, you know, they're, they're moving forward with it. And I think his departure also has something to do with the team's confidence in Joe Witt Jr., the new secondary coach, um, because, you know, you would want to – for a young coach like that, you will want to have as many veterans as possible, but he's been given a young group at cornerback to mold. And I, again, I think that's somewhat of a confidence boost to him because they believe he can do that. He can take that responsibility. So um, best wishes to Trufant. I think it's going to be great in Detroit. I think they got themselves a nice little corner to pair with Darius Slay. Yep. Anyone else chime in? Um, go ahead. <laughs> Adnan, you go ahead. <laughs> I refuse. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, no, it, it's. Uh, I'm still kind of shell shocked by this move. I thought that um, we were about a year away from parting ways with Trufant just because of the salary cap implications. I guess post June first cut will free us around, free up around ten million dollars in cap space, which will help sign the free agent class, but. I'm happy for Trufant, man. He came in. He was a very good first-round pick. Uh, he played through his second contract with the team. And when you draft someone, you 
reasonable expectation is you draft him for his rookie contract. And if he gets through a second contract, then, you know, that's just the cherry on top of the Sunday. I think that losing him opens the door a lot more for a first round corner in the draft or at the very least in the second round, something that has been mocked to the Falcons for, I don't know. It feels like a decade. They just mock us. Um, but this year it may actually happen. So, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So, you know, you know, there, there we go. But, you know, I'm happy for him. I think he's still a very good cornerback. He had some injury struggles. But remember last year, even through nine games, he had a career high in interceptions. Yeah. Seems like he's finally learning how to catch the ball, which is something that we've criticized him for over the <laughs> mm-hmm. years. But, you know, I think – I think this is a very good contract for the Lions as well. Two years, Trufant is what, 28, 29 years old. I think he'll play, he'll be in Detroit throughout the entire contract and then he'll set himself up for maybe a, one more good payday before the end of his career, which is a good thing to see. Yeah, yeah I agree with all of that. Um, one of the things that I always feel compelled to defend Trufant a little bit Um when the pass rush is as bad as it has been in Atlanta over, oh, I mean, the past truly. since John Abraham left, basically, um, it's very hard for for cornerbacks to effectively cover if they're having to cover for 10 to 12 seconds on every pass and play. I mean, it's just completely insane. And so I think that, you know, I think that Trufant is a better player than he appeared to be. Uh, in Atlanta, I think that that's some context that's sometimes missing when people talk about him. But I think that this is a really good deal for him and for the Lions. And, you know, he was a good player for the Falcons over the course of his career. So I'm happy for him. I hope that it does work out well for him. Yeah. Um, Evan, you've been a little bit quiet, man. What do you think? Oh, I'm just listening to everybody. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's – I think it's definitely a loss. Um, you know, you – as Adnan mentioned, his interceptions, like he did struggle at points of in his career and kind of got like a stigma for not being able to catch the ball, but he did kind of put it together this last season. Um, I think he even had like two interceptions in one game, if I remember correctly, because he only played uh, it was two or nine three games. against the Eagles, I thought. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, if you're into like PFF, like his scoring overall on defense uh, per year, I think the worst he had was in 2018 69 and a half which if you know if you pay attention to pff stuff um that's really not that bad like the rest of his career was in the 70s and 80s so he's all he's always been pretty reliable um and i definitely think it's a loss um and we're pretty much going to have to look you know in the draft as adnan mentioned um because i mean what else are you going to turn to i mean we have some you know, guys there already we we invested in in the draft, but is it's not going to be a veteran presence like Desmond Trufant where he's been pretty reliable even if he doesn't get credit for it. Well, it, you know, it's interesting you brought brought up his PFF score for that year, Evan, because if you guys recall, that was the one season where they had him playing a lot more slot duty than expected. Ah, uh, yep. So that's why we see the drop in that. And it's a great point by Evan, but I just wanted to – you know, to bring that part up, like, you know, he's been pretty steady his whole career. And the one year that he did have a significant mm-hmm. drop-off, quote-unquote, 
is because, you know, they gave him a duty that he wasn't used to. Even then, 69 and a half, uh, not that terrible, I don't think. Compare, I mean, everybody, nobody's going to just be in the 90s unless you're like Aaron Donald or some, you know, crazy uh, star in the league. But he's been pretty reliable over his career. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, sad to see him go. And I think at this point, uh, he, he, I agree with Adnan. He'll, he'll get another contract. He'll probably play his full two years in Detroit and good for him. Um, I was happy with the draft pick when, when we made him. And, uh, he, he is at one of the most thankless positions in the NFL. I think the other one being offensive tackle. <laughs> so mm-hmm. these guys are the air traffic controllers of the NFL. Basically, uh, when you hear their name, something has gone wrong and otherwise you don't hear about them. And true font half the time you never heard his name because no one was throwing in his direction. I think there was a stretch of time where he was the least targeted corner in the entire NFL for like two or three years straight. Yeah. Uh, and like literally quarterbacks just wouldn't even look in his direction if he was covering a receiver. So um, and I think that gets overlooked. Uh, fans often beat up on him, and I, I don't think it was justified, kind of like with Jake Matthews. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to miss him. I, I, I think uh, it was an unfortunate loss. We knew it was going to come. You know, he's getting close to 30. Uh, it, like with a lot of these guys, uh, the, the salary cap just becomes the, the deciding factor here. So before we get into some of the more interesting news happening right now, because there's two big stories, I think, happening – uh, around the Falcons and the NC South. Uh, we're going to jump into those. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholics Quarantine Podcast. This is David Walker, joined as, well, by the entire motley crew here, Gina Thomas, Adnan Ikic, uh, Evan Birchfield, Eric Robinson, Corey Woodruff, all writers, editors at thefalcoholic.com where you can go and read our articles about what's going on in the NFC South and with the Atlanta Falcons. So I want to start with, um, we're going to save the biggest piece of news for last because I feel like there's going to be a, a lot of opinions around the signing the Falcons made today. I want to start with the guy who is entering the NFC South at the age of 145, at least in NFL years. And that is Tom Brady landing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, you heard me right. 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to give Brady an average of $30 million a year, if I, if I read the numbers right, which blows my mind. And he is going to be their new starting quarterback. So there you go, guys. Someone chime in. Tell me what you think about Brady being in the NFC South. Bring it on, old man. <laughs> like, I'm here for it. These guys, this combined age is like 275. <laughs> you have Teddy Bridgewater over there in Carolina. And I, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but he's not striking fear in my heart by any means. No. I think Matt Ryan is the best quarterback in the division. And, I mean, I'm obviously, if you're looking at career accomplishments, Brady's the greatest of all time. But he had a big drop-off last year. I think mm-hmm. even on his PFF grade, it went from like consistent 90s year after year to 79 last year, which is the lowest he's had in like over a decade. You can tell the, uh, that he was a bit limited, especially on the deep ball, which is what happens when you're 42 years old. Um, yeah, I'm not scared at all. Like James, you can say what you want about Jameis Winston. He he was very very bad with some of his decision makings through 30 interceptions, of course, but he was still a prolific passer who pushed the ball downfield, had over 5,000 yards, most in the NFL. And I don't think with Brady that they'll be able to push the ball down the field, even though he has he has uh, the best weapons he's had in a while when it comes yeah. to his wide receiver core. Godwin's a stud. Evans is a stud and also better than Michael Thomas. Um <laughs> <laughs> yes, some, I think uh, NFL memes. I saw this meme on NFL memes, which summed it up perfectly. If you weren't with the Bucks when they were seven and nine, don't be with them when they're eight and eight this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it! All right, someone chime in on the their forty three year old quarterback. So, how about if the forty three year old person on this call does that? Um, that would be me. <laughs> And so, yeah, um, I love the signing and I love it for one reason. And that is now my Patriots fan fiance and I can agree that we just want nothing more than for Tom Brady to fail miserably. (laughs) And so, you know, Chris, Chris is a Michigan fan. I'm an Ohio state fan. He's a Patriots fan. I'm obviously a Falcons fan. We do not have a lot of common ground in sports. Hating Tom Brady with the fire of a thousand burning suns is now something that we can share. (laughs) And that shared interest will make our love stronger. So thank you, Tom Brady, for signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, the Buccaneers get crowned off-season champs every year. And this year is going to be no different. And they're always but when the season starts up. So I don't see why this should be any different. Like Tom Brady really took a step back last year. Obviously, he didn't have the same level of weapons around him. Losing Gronkowski was a big issue. He'll have much more talent um, as far as receivers around him in Tampa Bay. But he just took such a step back last year, and it really wasn't all the lack of talent around him. Um, And that Patriots defense last year was pretty exceptional throughout most of the season. And they carried them. I mean, it really wasn't the offense that got them to the playoffs. It was more the defense. And so, yeah, I I just don't. The, the Buccaneers still have way too many needs to address to think that a 43-year-old quarterback can come in and do anything but, you know, maybe get them to seven and nine. <laughs> We've got two hot takes so far. There's three other people on this, uh, <laughs> this call. Come on, guys. Bring it. 
I, I think the the signing is more significant than we think. And I think the wild card with it all is, is head coach Bruce Arians. I think mm-hmm. his offensive wizardry, I think he's going to be able to curtail a lot of Brady's, you know, issues, quote unquote. And I think we're going to see a much better Bucks offense next year um, because of that. If he were to go mm. to the Chargers with a head coach like Anthony Lynn, who doesn't necessarily have – you know, that Super Bowl pedigree, then, yeah, I would feel, you know, I, I wouldn't be as, I guess, concerned because, of course, he's also in the AFC. But the fact that Brady enters the NFC South with the offensive of minor coach like Bruce Arians, I don't think that's – I think that's a that's a, a pretty good pairing between the two. And like I said, I, I think right now we have to respect the fact that, you know, the Bucks can really have a top five offense next year when it's all said and done. And this feels different. Gina, you're right. The Bucks, you know, they win headlines every year when it comes to free agency. But for some reason, this feels like, okay, they might have nailed this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did a little bit of a different take there. Um, Eric, believing in the old guy. Thank you from an old guy. Um, <laughs> Evan and Corey. Come on, guys. I don't, I, don't believe in, um, I don't believe in the other old guy down in the <laughs> <laughs> all right Corey, i heard uh, your voice oh no that was me but oh that's I'm, evan now i'm insulted so right. i like Corey. <laughs> <laughs> all right evan come on man um no i mean the two big things that interest me and the first one is more of a um i guess the football fan in me is we weren't sure before if we'd ever get the answer to you know this whole you got to give them props like in his entire career even the year where he, I believe it was he tore his ACL in 2008, he's never had, um, and I'm looking at it right here, he's never finished uh, 500 or worse. Like his worst season was nine and seven. Um, and now he's going to a Bucks team that continuously just shits the bed every year. <laughs> so now it's going to be interesting to see, like, obviously he's older, but is it was it Bill Belichick? Like we don't even know. I think their quarterback – QB one now is like Jared Stidham or whatever his name is. Um, is it uh, Brady? You know, it, it, they he comes to Tampa and Bruce Arians, who's used to, who's dealt with, uh, you know, Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning and whatever. Um, you know, is he, if Brady keeps continuing on, you know, with success, it's like wow, maybe it was Brady. Um, it's just going to be interesting because I don't think we ever really thought we'd get the answer to that um, because if they both retired at the same time, it's like they'd be, both be the goats forever or whatever, you know, in, in the common fans eyes. Now we're going to get to see, okay, who was the real genius um, in my opinion. But honestly, I'm going to go with Eric's opinion because I, I am interested and it could just be totally on paper that they just sound good. Um, and then, you know, you got OJ Howard who, We'll see if he bounces back. I know he caught more, you know, balls at a baseball game than he did at a football game last year, it seemed like. Um, Mike Evans, Godwin, uh, Antonio Brown's a possibility that's been for some reason thrown out there. Apparently Brady loves him. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting, but I'm more uh, interested. I think they're obviously going to do better, you know, although Brady's not throwing 40 touchdowns a season, um, He's also not throwing 30 interceptions like Jameis Winston did last year and just not having a turnover machine could, you know, that could flip some wins in the Buccaneers favor. So. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't, uh, 
I'm not going to give too much credit to the Bucks, but we'll see. Uh, Corey, hit me with a hot take, man. Come on. Okay. Um, I guess the hottest take is that, I, I mean, it's, it's weird because when you follow the news cycle on this, like, I was watching ESPN today and they're already starting the Tampa Bay as the Super Bowl next year. Is he going to have the Super Bowl in the you know home state for the first time? And it's like, okay, hold on. Let's just not maybe go that far. But I don't know. I, I feel like it's a gigantic question mark. Um, I think that, everyone has been accurate to suggest that Brady has slowed down a bit. Um, Last season, he wasn't himself. And I think that's what held the Patriots back. Um, Their defense was really good. They really didn't have like a lack of reliable passing options. They actually were pretty well stocked in terms of people to throw to. But I think when you look last year at the Patriots, I think that Brady really just wasn't himself completely. And I think you're going to get in Tampa Bay probably like, 60%, 50% of who he normally is as a player and within Arian's scheme, maybe that will be enough for them to, you know, play pretty well. But I think that, you know, I don't really like Jameis Winston as a person, but as a quarterback, outside of the mental errors, like he did pretty well, you know, all things considered. He wasn't a bad quarterback at all. He was pretty competent and he played the Falcons really well. Every time that Winston would go against the Falcons, it would be very much – a struggle for the team. And I think Brady is much more of the type of quarterback that Dan Quinn schemes well against, except for one quarter of one game. But, um, you know, in a general sense, I like the idea of playing Brady twice a year than Winston because Winston really knew ways to exploit that Dan Quinn scheme pretty well. And oh, God, no kidding. He seems to like Dan Quinn really does well with these older quarterbacks. Now, obviously there are at times just these talent discrepancies, like when they play New Orleans and the team's not very good, but you know, outside of the Super Bowl being a thing that keeps us up at night, like Dan Quinn, they did a really nice job scheming against Brady in that game. And, you know, when the Falcons play well, they do well against those type of quarterbacks. So I'm, if the Falcons can bounce back this fall, I think it's that they'll play well. But I also think that, you know, this could be a good situation for Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I think about because even last year with Breeze, it, it seems like they did a fairly good job of limiting the damage he did. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Vikings even credited the Falcons' win over the Saints as being sort of their template uh, for what blueprint. they were going to do on defense. Yeah. They did. Yep. They gave them a blueprint. Yeah. yeah just, just like the Broncos against the Panthers a few years ago. Yeah. So um, it, it, I think Corey makes a really good point here that, you know, Dan Quinn has had a lot of success historically against, you know, some of these quarterbacks. So I, I, the only thing I'm dreading is that two times a year we're going to have to hear damn 28 to oh, three. Oh, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. And it's just like, oh, it's because, coming. because those announcers literally have zero it's creativity. Coming. They're going to lean on it. Oh yeah. If it's a primetime game. Oh man. Let Falcons and Bucks be Sunday night football. That's Chris Collinsworth. Oh, you know it'll happen because it's Brady. They're going to yeah. put him on as Sunday night as much as possible. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though no one cares about the Bucks. <laughs> you know what's and, interesting though is they got rid of Jameis Winston and his last throw as a Buccaneer was a pick six, and they got Tom Brady whose last throw, you know, a, as a Patriot was a pick, pick six. six. So it's like, well, maybe that'll oh, continue and, over. 
Not only that, both Brady and uh, Winston finished the season with the exact same ESPN total QBR scores. Another another nugget I just read since we're on the topic of Jameis Winston. So he threw 30 picks last year, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. The the opponents also dropped 21 of them. So he could have thrown (laughs) 51 interceptions last year. Jameis is a YOLO quarterback. He he just Mm -hmm. goes out there and slings it. And now he can see. Oh, yeah, he got LASIK. He can't see in Tampa, though. So <laughs> No, no. I, I do just want to say, if the Buccaneers do make the playoffs this year, it will be the first time they've made the playoffs since before Matt Ryan was drafted. Last time they made the playoffs was 2007, the year before Matt Ryan. Oh, my God. By the Bless their hearts. Bless wow. Their so what you're saying is Matt Ryan is the reason why they haven't made the playoffs. Oh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It could not it. be a coincidence. It is not. It's not. Um, and that's back when uh, they had Josh Freeman, and everyone's like, "Oh, who's going to be the better quarterback, oh, God. Freeman or Matt Ryan?" Oh God. Yeah, that I, I will never forget that. Yeah, Freeman fell off the face of the earth. Um, fantastic. Oh, that love those kind of stats, Adnan. Thank you for that. All right, the big piece of news for the day: um, the Falcons. I think surprised some people. Some of us thought that they were angling towards a move like this. Um, others didn't think they would have the cap space. I'm, I'm kind of wondering how they did get the cap space. It'll be very interesting to see how this contract works out. But they did make a big free agent signing. I think this is. I think this one qualifies as a top tier, like big name free agent signing. Um, and they landed pass rusher Dante Fowler. Uh, three-year deal worth up to $48 million, so an average of $16 million per year. He rejoins Dan Quinn, who uh, coached him at the University of Florida. Obviously, Fowler had a big season last year with the Rams. He had 11 and a half sacks. Um, he started his career with the Jaguars, so we don't know what to make of that. Uh, this, this is a splash signing. I think if fans... Fans were wanting something interesting out of the Falcons. They got something interesting. Whether or not it's good, well, that's what we're going to talk about. So, anyone, feel free to jump in. Fowler, give me your takes, the contract, the player. Let's hear it. <laughs> the answer is no, we are not telling you. <laughs> the silence is off. deafening. Oh, my God. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I I do like the signing. I like the signing mainly because it shows that they they see a weakness and they're trying to fix it. This is not so far this hasn't been an offseason where they're literally quote unquote running it back. They they see what went wrong and they're they're acting on it. And that's all as as fans and as writers, that's all we've been asking for from them for the past few years. Like that's hey, a good point. You know what the weakness is. Let's let, scrap the whole strategy of hey let's just let's just practice and get better and we'll be back at it next year like no you see what the weakness is act upon it and that's what they're trying to do now bringing a guy like Fowler in everyone wants to point out to point out his numbers it it was either along the same lines or worse than Big Beasley numbers but I think the factor of of familiarity and continuity between him and Dan Quinn played a huge part in it. And I think that's what's going 
to make this signing a little bit better than what it is. Because at least between, because of the connection between two and them, between the two of them, it makes Fowler coachable. Ah, you didn't, you, yep. you had a guy like Beasley who was similar and you obviously saw Beasley wasn't coachable. So at least Fowler will be able to take the guidance of Quinn and, you know, at any other defensive coach going forward. And he may get better. He had a career – it was a career career year this past year, right? 11 and a half sacks? Yep. So that's, he, that's really all what he needed. At least, at least Fowler has been steadily improving over his career, unlike Vic Beasley, who just peaked and said, all right, I'm good. I'm coasting from, from here. Yeah, I do just want to follow up on one thing, Eric, that you said. I think that Beasley would be coachable if he were – passionate about football. I think that Beasley right. is passionate about a, a lot of things. Um, like for instance, his work with the Rally Foundation, helping mm-hmm. kids with cancer and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, he is really, it's, it's evident, not passionate about football. Football is his job. And I think that's how he sees it. And I don't think that that's true for Fowler. So I think that that's, you know, immediately um, a benefit and for the Falcons. I, mean, I don't hate the signing. It's, I, I I get why fans are not thrilled about it, but I mean, it was a need and um, you know, hopefully what you're saying will hold up and he'll be able to benefit from, from Quinn's coaching and, you know, actually get some pressure. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing for once in my life to see the Falcons get consistent pressure on a quarterback. They had to do something. It was either this or just wait until the draft to take a pass rusher. And I guarantee you none of them feel comfortable about that. If they would have just sat on their hands and waiting until the draft to get somebody, we all are nervous going into next season. Well, yeah, and I mean, they're not going to trade up to get Chase Young. I really don't think that they will. And there are there's other talent available, obviously, but like we've already discussed tonight, I you know I could really see them going corner. Um, Okuda from Ohio State, the Ohio State. Um, I, I think that he would be a great option. Uh, not that I'm biased at all or anything, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think that having somebody that they that they know could fill that need before the draft I think was important so I'm eager to see how he fits in uh and Gina you saying that we're not going to trade up for a player I think uh, Thomas Dimitrov just had a spidey sense just hit him and now he's (laughs) on a bet Um, he yeah I I do not think that he is my biggest fan so he really might do it just to spite me but listen (laughs) if if he wants to draft chase if he wants to trade up for chase young to spite me the joke's on him because I would be delighted so yeah well where did chase go to school Gina (laughs) he went to the Ohio State University bing 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 um Mm -hmm. as for uh Dante Fowler I think this is a hot take, or a kind of a hot take. I may be dramatic here, but I think this is the signing, this gamble of a signing with how much money he got. This will decide if Dan Quinn is going to be in Atlanta or not, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because if this blows up in their face, I think Quinn and Dimitrov are going to be out of here. Yeah. Whereas there is a good possibility that if Fowler keeps improving and he's only 25 years old, I don't, he hasn't even hit his peak yet in regards to like age, football age. He missed an entire season because of a torn ACL. So, or most of a season. So I don't think that he has as much mileage as a regular player does through the first four years of his career. If he, if he shows out and plays at a pro bowl level, then that could be enough 
to keep Quinn here long-term. And I, I get it. I understand the reservations. He did it next to Aaron Donald last year. And Aaron Donald is, in my opinion, the greatest, the best player in football along with Patrick Mahomes. I've been saying it for years, 1A and 1B, in my humble opinion. Yeah. But he has Grady Jarrett now, which is maybe the next best thing, a defensive tackle. I'm not saying Jarrett is Aaron Donald, but he's in that next tier right below him. Yep. Um, he has Tack McKinley on the other side. Hopefully Tack McKinley is healthy after the shoulder issues. Hopefully he something clicks for him. And, you know, if the Falcons go and get, a, get someone in the draft this year to bolster the defensive line some more, then we could have a very good pass rush. But it is a gamble. But like Eric said, uh, it's encouraging that Fowler got better as his career went along, and he had that big year in a contract year last year. It's to the point now where we really, really need this to work out. Because if it doesn't, then, man, it's, it's going to be rough. Because you did, you did pay market value for him, and that's market value for a pass rusher. Whenever you cannot develop a pass rusher the way the Falcons haven't been able to for a long, long time, you have to open up the checkbook and you have to pay him 15 yep. or $16 million the way we just did right now. And Robert Quinn made $14 million with the Bears. I remember a few years ago, Olivier Vernon made 15 or $16 million a year with the, with the sure. Giants after never having a season of 10-plus sacks. This is the going rate for pass rushers. You know what? I'm pretty sure Quinn passed that same message on the foul. Like, hey, I'm bringing you in, and I need you because <laughs> the pressure's turning up on me this year. So maybe this is, you know, that's something he probably shared with the guy that he's familiar with, that he, you know, that he, he can rely on. You know, he, he coached Fowler back in college. And, and I'm pretty sure Fowler was like, hey, I want to be here. I got you, coach. I'm going to, you know, want to have yeah. you back. I'm it. pretty sure Fowler will be at voluntary workouts this year. I hope so. <laughs> Not at a basketball team. Yeah. Um, so to that point, uh, I th- I'm looking right now at Vic Beasley because a lot of people are going to compare – Vic and Dante and it, and it makes sense. You know, they were literally drafted in the same draft class. Uh, Dante is coming to Atlanta on the heels of Vic leaving. Um, but I'm looking at the PFF scores and just looking at their pass rushing grades. The thing you notice with Vic is he peaked in 2016 and then his scores bottomed out after that 2017 through 2019, they just got worse with Fowler his worst score was uh, 2016, so the year after his ACL injury. Then he got a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Then he got a little bit better. And then he had his best best season in 2019. So from a trajectory standpoint, Fowler has been improving every year he's been in the league. So if you're looking for something to be optimistic about, um, he is young. Uh, he will be 26 uh, in August. So th- he's still got plenty of years left. And – Arrow is pointing up, whereas I think with Vic, you know, after 2016, I think this is what a lot of fans were frustrated by. We saw what he could do, but he never replicated it. And we saw three years of sort of mediocrity. And I think it's fair to say Fowler is different from Vic in the standpoint that he is, he has gotten better every year he's been in the league. Um, Is he a 16 sack per year guy? I don't know if he's that guy. Um, and here's the reality. When it comes to free agency, there's two positions that get paid big money. It's quarterback. You're always going to overpay for quarterbacks. 
and pass rusher. You're going to overpay for pass, pass rusher no matter what. Fowler may be more of like an eight to 10 sack guy, and we paid him to be like a 16 sack guy. That doesn't mean he's going to be a bad signing. Um, but I at least like that his trajectory is pointing up. Um, all right, anyone else? Because this, you know, this clearly is a big signing for the Falcons. Um, Adnan, I think, said correctly that you know, Dan Quinn and Dimitrov are sort of tying their future with the franchise to this player. So, uh, Corey, Evan, you guys, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having to poke y'all with a hot poker to get some takes out of you. So, one of you speak up. Give me, give me your thoughts well, on Fowler. I'll say I um, have been probably the less optimistic among everybody. Um, I just, I look at the numbers and like Eric mentioned earlier, I'm seeing a lot of Vic Beasley and I know his numbers have gotten better, but I can't ignore the Aaron Donald factor. Um, And I look Mm -hmm. at other players like Clay Matthews, who had his best season since 2014. um, And I don't find that as a coincidence. Um, And then I look at, uh, Fowler's numbers and besides this past season where he had Aaron Donald uh, 2017 was his second best in terms of like sacks and that's he had eight that that season that's when Calais Campbell was a first team all pro I don't think those are coincidences but he does have Grady Jarrett so you know he it's not like he's going in alone but he's gotta they've got to add more I think um, I, yeah. I, I'm I'm not on board with going okay we have Fowler that's it because there's a lot of fans who seem to think he's going to be our best pass rusher since John Abraham, which I think it's a little early to go all in like that. Um, because I mean, he, he had four sacks, eight sacks, four sacks, 11 and a half sacks. Like there's no real average there. It's kind of all over the place, but if the Falcons defense, I think he's the type of player where if the Falcons defense is rolling and he can get in there and get pressures. He had like 40 something this year. Uh, with the Rams where obviously they had some more talent on defense, but he's going to be a factor. But if for some reason the Falcons defense is suffering, I mean, he could be more of like a Bruce Irvin where you're seeing like three and a half, four, maybe five sacks. And I wouldn't be shocked. Um, But, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would disagree with that, but I'm not completely all in. I, I thought the, the 16 million per year was a little much, but I get it. As you mentioned, the pass rushers always get overpaid. Um, Vic got what you guys mentioned, nine and a half, possibly 12. Um, So he's getting paid a lot more than Vic Beasley. Vic, you know, as much as he sucks, had eight sacks last year. So if he gets less than eight, it's going to look bad. But um, (laughs) I just, I'm more in the like, prove it and I'll believe it's type thing. I'm not going all in um, just yet. All right. Corey, what do you think? Fowler? I'm really excited about it. Like I have gone through so many Falcon free agency processes where <laughs> like you get so excited and then it's like four o'clock on Wednesday rolls around. It's like uh, Jamon Brown and James Carpenter or Tyson <laughs> Jackson and Paul Soliai and John Asamoah. And it's like, yeah, okay. It's just kind of like the, the balloon just deflates really slowly and falls down. But I mean, my philosophy is that Quinn and Dimitrov are going into a potentially lame duck season either way. I mean, it's like they're, playing for their and coaching and GMing for their jobs right now, no matter what the situation is. Like I'm pretty sure after last year, blank basically said, you've got one year, get it done or you're out. And I thought it was very generous of him to do that because 
last season was fireable grounds, I think, for everyone involved, particularly after the start. But, uh, you know, Fowler is not Von Miller, but Fowler is much better than the Falcons have had in a pass rusher ever since Adrian Claiborne went off in 2017, I believe, with nine sacks. Um, For a position that has struggled so mightily and has been – routinely ignored and has been relied and again I I love Dan Quinn as a coach uh, he has his fallings but the biggest falling to me is that he doesn't develop pass rushers well um, he's not done that at all in his tenure um, John Kaminsky left to be determined but with Vic Beasley with Jack McKinley we've seen both of those guys flounder in their development they both have flashed, and I feel like that under different staffs, they may have different trajectories, but the Falcons have not developed pass rushers well, and I don't, and I don't know why that's been the case since Penn, Quinn was kind of known as like a pass rush guru when he came to Atlanta. But now they just, I think, finally were like, look, we've got a year. We're going to have to make some big moves, and I think we're going to see more swings like this. And I don't think this is the last time in this offseason we're going to like open our eyes and be like, oh, wow, they're really going for this. Because, again, I think it's a – this is a front office that's like, well, if this doesn't work out, it's not like we're going to be here to see the problems of it in the years to come. Um, you know, even though Rich McKay has had more of a managerial role now over things, I do think that we're going to see a lot of risks by this front office because they need to try to get the car started. Um, they need to make sure that that finish last year is sustainable to be, you know, a competent football team that goes back to the playoffs. And if you want to pass rusher right now and you don't draft him particularly well, or you don't want to wait three, four years for a drafted guy to really reach its potential. I think a Fowler is the move you make. I think that Fowler played really well last year. People say he had Aaron Donald there to kind of help, which I don't doubt is something that has improved his play. But I think in general, people seem to think that he's really beginning to come into his own at that age. It's like sometimes pass rushers do take time. We saw that yeah. with Shaq Barrett, you know, like he, yep came into his own in uh, Tampa Bay last year. and That was true of Justin Houston as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, these are some these positions take time. Same thing with cornerbacks. Like, some of these guys really do just take time to develop. So, in general, like, I'm excited about it. I really am. I'm very optimistic that the team has made a move that's very unlike them. And the last time I remember them doing something like this was Don Terry Poe, which really worked out well for a year. And this is a multi-year contract, so – you're not going to have to say sayonara if he does if he plays well and goes to a bigger deal elsewhere. So if it doesn't work out, it's not like it's going to matter anyway. Like obviously the contract's still in the books and that'll stink, but like this coaching staff and front office will be gone. So, you know, (laughs) we we know what will happen if things don't go well, but if they do, then, you know, this was an aggressive move that could really pay off well. We bring bring up Fowler having Donald in LA, but Grady Jarrett's no slouch. Right. He just made his first Pro Bowl. So, he gets a lot of attention and, you know, imagine if they were to get someone like a Javon Kinlaw in the first round, I guarantee you, I guarantee you Fowler would see so many one-on-ones this year. So just because he had Aaron Donald last year, that's great. And it did play a factor in his numbers, but you know, the Falcons have an opportunity right here to add even more talent on that D line in the draft and make life a little bit easier for Fowler here. So, I mean, let's not, He's not walking into a situation where it's it's just him or he's the guy. Right. So he can, yeah. he can. Where Grady's concerned, he, Grady missed a couple of games in 2019, and he had – I remember two sacks being taken away from him on the most garbage of penalties where he fell on the quarterback and tickled him a little too much, and they called him for roughing the passer. 
Yeah. And, and he still finished – Grady finished with seven and a half sacks. Right. Um, he arguably had more than ten on the season if the NFL didn't decide that quarterbacks couldn't be landed on by a 300-pound man who can't control the laws of physics. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you, Eric. I, I feel like, you know, I think Jarrett is better than even people give him credit for and people give him a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I think he is uh, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. I will say this. I think a lot of people now are saying, oh, well, corner is clearly the pick for the Falcons in the first round. I still think they could go defensive line, and I would love – and, Eric, yeah, I think you and I talked about this the other night. I would love to see them still go with Javon Kinlaw uh, in yeah. defensive tackle and just ramp up that interior pressure – yeah, uh, Grady Kinlaw, and and now you've got Tack and you know Fowler on the outside. Maybe they benefit even more by having a pocket that's not there for the quarterback to step into. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, especially when you got Brady in the division now, right? <laughs> and Breeze, <laughs> adding Brady along with Breeze in that division, you'll you'll really have to convince me that 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 it didn't alter the draft strategy a little bit for the Falcons because now they're looking at it as if, hey, we don't necessarily have to have speed coming off the edge. Yeah. These two guys in particular, they hate interior pressure. They hate it. They cannot step up into it. Yeah, and Bridgewater. I mean, Bridgewater is more, uh, I, I think, because of certain factors, people perceive him as a running quarterback, which is not yeah. accurate. He is a pocket quarterback. Uh, and I think if that interior pocket collapses on Bridgewater, he's, I would put him in the same boat as, as Breeze and Brady. He's not as old, yep. but he is someone that wants a comfortable pocket to throw out of. Yep. There's and no capability. Yep. Uh, I would also love for the Falcons to go defensive line in the first round. But when have the Falcons ever made a predictable first-round draft pick with Dan Quinn? I 100% so am expecting the unexpected. We're probably going to trade up and drop C.D. Lamb. If we're being- <laughs> it's going to be a wide receiver. It's going to be a wide receiver at this point. I mean, I I had so many swears uh, circulating throughout my house when they did that with Ridley because I was like, what in the hell are you doing? That is clearly not the biggest need. So, yeah, I don't expect them to do – anything but something that I find very confusing on day one of the draft. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I mean, I love Ridley. Like he is, I think he's going to work out really, really well, but yeah, it was, that was a stunning pick when it happened. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we have reached the apex point of this podcast because uh, frankly, I'm, the vodka is kicking in and I can't see straight. Uh, <laughs> Why aren't we beginning right now? Then? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Adnan. That, you uh, didn't make that poor earlier. Cause I heard every ounce hit. The oh, that was Gina. Oh, oh, okay. oh, I was trying to like talk, talk through it. I was trying to be <laughs> <possible>. <laughs> and we're leaving the poor in the podcast. So people are going to hear yeah, that poor the entire time. You have to. Yeah. You, you definitely don't. don't hear that, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but you know, she is my pal. So she gets a free pass uh, as always forever. So thank you, Gina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. My I, pleasure. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you guys, I love this format. I love having all of you guys on um, Corey it's been a while, man. I love having you on the podcast. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. 
Um, mm. So real quick, I'm going to go around the horn. You guys tell our listeners your Twitter handle uh, and any series you may be working on at thefalcoholic.com. Uh, Adnan, you go first. Um, well, may, maybe I shouldn't do a repeat of what Chambers did the other day and tell people <laughs> <laughs> my Twitter handle. <laughs> Please don't. My, my, uh, my real Twitter handle is at say which way on Twitter. And uh, right now on the Falcoholic, we're just doing our best to be your one-stop shop. We're breaking news, uh, having analysis. Uh, for me personally, I have my top five moments of the season series wrapping up uh, pretty soon. So keep, keep an eye out for that. But yeah, stick with us for all of your free agency and draft uh, draft take needs. Yep, absolutely. Eric, tell the listener list. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> drunk, drunk David. Go I ahead. Got, Eric, I got go you. Ahead. Uh, at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Uh, go to the Falcoholic site. Like, like you know, Adnan said, it's pretty much it's a one stop shop, man. You get everything you need from free agency to draft to just you know past Falcons. Uh, stories like just just go ahead and check it out right now i got um got my breakdown of javon kinlaw out there as well as my um breakdown of hayden hurst the new offense tight end that they just traded for a couple days ago as well so check it out fantastic evan hit us up um you can find me on twitter at evan birchfield and then I just have random stuff on the Falcoholic, so <laughs> just read everybody's stuff because it's all good right now when you're all quarantined and looking for stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, my friend, I've missed you. Tell us uh, where they can find you on Twitter, man. You can find me on Twitter at CoreyWoodruff47. Um, the uh, They passed a bill in Congress that has limited my hot take output, so I guess that's why it's probably been – a little quiet. <laughs> yeah, so I was as surprised as everybody else was. But um, no, uh, you can find my stuff over at the Falcoholic. I'm sure I'll have plenty in the days now that we're all caught inside and can't leave our houses. <laughs> oh, I missed you, Corey. Um, last but not least, Gina, my friend, tell our listeners where to find you. You can find me on Twitter where I am more than likely telling you that you should be uh, social isolating and staying in your house, except for absolutely necessary reasons to go out into public. You can find me um, on the Falcoholic. I actually have something a little bit different coming this weekend. I talked to um, a former Patriots tackle, uh, a free agent whose name is escaping me right now. It's probably the cough syrup that I am. (laughs) <laughs> that I'm on that's medically necessary. But, um, and then I'm going to be talking to my friend, Don Newfeld, who her husband is also an NFL veteran. He's retired and he's disabled. And I'm speaking to both of them about the impact of the, of the new CBA um, mm. and why it, it, it was a very close vote. And um, a lot of players are really disappointed that it passed. It kind of gutted disability uh, benefits for retired players. So that's something it's a little bit different. Like I usually just shit post ridiculous stuff and try to write (laughs) stuff that's funny. But you know, this is something that's really serious that does impact a lot of players lives, especially after football. So I'm really looking forward to putting that together for you all that will be on the Falcoholic at some point this weekend. Um, And other than that, yeah, wash your damn hands. 
<laughs> oh yes absolutely um in, in all seriousness guys uh this is some unprecedented times we're in so mm-hmm. please take care of yourselves uh stay uh, stay safe uh be sensible as gina mentioned clean your hands and uh, as much as possible avoid uh public areas um and we will be here at thefalcoholic.com with articles covering what's happening in this offseason as we head into the draft, which, come, which is coming up in April. Very, very uh, short time frame. So uh, you can find us here on the podcast. We'll be covering it uh, when news breaks. And, of course, at thefalcoholic.com. As for me, you can follow, follow me at falcoholicdw. And you can follow breaking news on this podcast at falcoholicpod. And, of course, our articles at thefalcoholic.com. So, for Corey Woodruff, Eric Robinson, Evan Birchfield, Adnan Nikic, the one and only Gina Madeline Thomas, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.